1 John chapter 2 verses 18 to 27. Children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. From this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But by going out, they made it plain that none of them belongs to us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and you know that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I write these things to you concerning those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And so you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I'm James and I have the the honor of leading one of the the Kingdom Family communities here uh, with my wife, Danny. And um, we're continuing this theme uh, on radiant light, love on fire and working through, working through the, the book of, of 1 John. You missed a treat earlier this morning <clears throat> as Paddy was talking. There's a bit of a problem with the, um, with the AV, but normally where you get the, the, um, the red strip at the bottom saying to parents for children to, to come, it said, warning, antichrists are coming, which is a, <laughs> which is a, <laughs> which is a great kind of intro to this message because that's, that's what it's actually titled in this passage, warning against antichrists. <clears throat> And uh, I'd like to add uh, a little bit of punctuation a la Paddy from last week, um, probably go with a hyphen, and just to, to add to that, living in truth, living in the truth, which is what we're going to look at this morning. So what I'd love to do is to, to look at this, this, this passage uh, and then to, to see how we can apply it to our lives individually and uh, as a community. So Father, we thank you that, that you're here. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for your presence. I ask that you would enable me to communicate articulately what you've put on my heart. And that, Lord God, that your words would resonate in our hearts. Any words from me would would fall to the ground, but that, Lord, your truth uh, would resonate and would prevail this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just to give a a, a bit of background on on this this passage, um, the, the this was a letter that was written to the community of believers. And there had been false teachers who had left this, the, the, the church, who left this community of believers, and they'd gone out, turning their back on the, the apostolic teaching. They'd gone out into the world, and they were teaching false doctrine. They denied the incarnation of Jesus, and as such, they denied the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and 
basically saying he's not the Messiah, this is the way to salvation. And they were teaching um, salvation by mental enlightenment that was available to the, the elite spirituals, those who, who would, they, they, could, they could train. It, it was an early form of, of Gnosticism, as I understand. And they were substituting the apostolic teaching of the church that was, which, which was accepted in, the, in the, the fellowship of believers with individual personal revelation. So that's what was going on. That's the, that's the background. And in fact, verse 26 summarizes really what, what John is saying in this passage. He said, I write these things concerning those who would deceive you. And see, John does not want anyone to be deceived by these lies. And in fact, as, as I understand, some people had been enticed and, and, uh, by, by this uh, false doctrine and had, had um, been deceived. And we hear this term, Antichrist, um, through this passage. And uh, if you're anything like me, it probably takes your imagination to some kind of end of the world, ap- apocalyptic kind of figure uh, warring against the saints, uh, probably best found in, in something like a horror movie. Um, but actually, that's not what John is saying, or that's not the, um, the, the, the way that this, this, um, this term is used in this passage. Um, in fact, the word anti um, is, is, is meaning instead of. And so what these guys are doing is they're teaching another truth instead of Jesus. They're teaching another way to salvation. And in fact, the, the, the best definition of, 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 of Antichrist in this context is from verses 22 to 23. And it says, who is the liar but the one that denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. But everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. So what these guys are doing, they're they're undermining the very foundation, or trying to undermine the very foundation of the gospel. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no one can lay any other foundation than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is the basis of the gospel. That is the basis of our hope. It is in Jesus. And these, these antichrists, these liars, these people who were, who were, were teaching deception, were, were teaching actively against that. But John goes on to affirm the believers. He said, let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he's promised us, eternal life. We heard Paddy use that, that phrase came up in Paddy's talk last week, what you heard from the beginning. And he's referring to the apostolic teaching. He's referring to Jesus' words, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' commands. And, and again, in, in John 3.16, that the very basis, the foundation of, of our faith, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and John is reaffirming, this is the, 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 the basis of our, of our salvation. It is in Jesus. And that is the, 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 um, the promise of eternal life is rooted and grounded in our relationship with Jesus, not on this teaching, this special knowledge that these false teachers are teaching. This is the very gospel. This is why we're here, for what Jesus has done for us. 
And as we look at, at this, this message and we look at, at what's happened um, and, and look at the warning that John is presenting to us, we first need to, to remember that these antichrists, these ones that are going out to deceive, they themselves are deceived. They themselves have, have, have believed, instead of the truth, the reality of Jesus, they have, they're running with a different gospel, with a different truth. They themselves are deceived, and probably, for all we know, heartfelt, they're teaching on the basis of, this is what's right. We're teaching what we believe is true. And it's actually a warning to, to us against deception, that their, their deception had become so full-blown, full they had left the community of believers, and they were, now they were teaching heresy. But as far as our, our lives today, you know, how, how do we apply this to, to, to our lives, to our community? You know, we have an adversary. Jesus, in, in, in John 8, 44, he describes the devil as the father of lies. And the, the devil's job description in John uh, 10, verse 10, Jesus says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that is his mandate. And he uses lies and accusation in the same way that he did, if he can, to deceive, to deceive us. But then Jesus contrasts his mission statement that he came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And the devil would love to deceive us to, to not believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And if he could, he would. But in some ways, for, for most of us and the, the maturity that we have, if someone comes up to you and says, Jesus isn't the Son of God, this is the way, we'd go, yeah, no, I, don't, I know what I know. I know that the truth is in him. It is in Jesus. But if the enemy can't get us to believe a lie as blatant as that, he'll go after other lies. And that is his, his MO. That's the way he, he operates. The deceptions might not be as blatant to us as, oh, Jesus isn't the son of God. But they'll happily bombard us with lies. Examples of, and these are lies, this is not, this is not part of the message, but um, you know, he might say, you know, call yourself a Christian. Look what you did earlier. Look how you spoke to that person. Are you really saved? You can't heal anyone. The miracles are for the, for the leaders. You know, it's, it, you, how can you heal anyone? Has God really got a plan for your life? Can you really trust God in, with this? Can you really trust God with this area of your life? Um, you know, and, and can you have hope in, in this situation? Um, does he really love you? after this happened and God let that happen and the enemy will bombard us with lies trying to unseat the place uh, uh, that Jesus has uh, uh, in our hearts of, of, that we can implicitly trust him as Lord and Savior of our lives and the enemy will, will try and bring deception to, to undermine our faith and trust in him and our relationship um, with God. In verse 20 in this, this passage that we've just read um, let me just uh, uh, read that. So it says, but you, talking to, to the group of believers, you've been anointed by the Holy One. All of you have knowledge. I write to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and that no lie comes from the truth. This word truth, it's a, a Greek word that's pronounced, I think, aletheia, aletheia, and it means reality. 
And, and this is the, the, the reality that we have stepped into. When we invite Jesus into our heart, when we make him Lord and Savior, when we essentially become a Christian, we're exposed to a whole new reality of the kingdom. Before we're saved, we're over here, we're in the world system. The world system is based upon the, the lie that the, the, the very earth that we're standing on, that we're sitting on, happened by this freak explosion out of nothing of matter that didn't exist, created the world on which we, we stand. And from there, from a random sequence of events, life evolved, and from that early life, we evolved. And we're here today, by chance, with no plan, no purpose, we've got a short lifetime, let's make the most of it, indulge as many passions as we can before we, 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 we die. And that's, that's the end of our story. That's the reality that the world presents as truth. When we get saved, we step into a kingdom reality. A kingdom reality that, that has Jesus at the center. It says in, in Colossians, Jesus is the one who's holding the whole world together. It's all in him. We step into the reality that we're created in the, in the very image of God, that he's breathed his life into us as sons and daughters of God. We step into a kingdom that has Jesus as king who rules and reigns over our lives and over this, this realm. This is the new reality that we, we step into. And when we become Christians, we're growing in our, in our understanding of this reality, in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with Father God in our identity as sons and daughters of God. And, and in that process, we are, you know, many of us have old mindsets from our, our past lives, maybe experiences that we've, 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 we've had, maybe just the cultural truth that surround us. But we have these mindsets and ways of thinking that don't line up with the reality of the kingdom. Like some examples I gave earlier. And the enemy will happily throw lies at us to see if, if, if one will stick. Can you really trust God? It's, it's actually really down to you. It's, can you trust God? Is, is it better to have a backup plan? And, and if you can get these lies to stick, these lies become mindsets or strongholds, ways that we think, systems of thinking by which we interpret the world around us. And the strange thing is, is as we... we, we build these mindsets, whereas we have these mindsets that have yet to be exposed by the truth, they actually become self-fulfilling because we interpret our environment, we interpret what's, interpret what's happening in our lives based on the mindset that we have. And it reinforces it, and it makes it, it, makes it stronger and more prevalent until the truth comes. It says, actually, that's a lie. And confronts the very deception that we're walking in. And I would go as far as saying most of us, if not all, have in some area of our lives, we're not believing the fullness of the truth of the gospel. And we're on this journey of, of the truth, allowing the truth to transform. Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and life, allowing him to transform our thinking, our thought life, these mindsets. And a, a slightly off-the-wall example of this um, from, from my life um, when I was a student, this is a, this is a long time ago, um, <clears throat> but w when I was a student, uh, we had a, a landlady, she lived next door, she was, um, she was very eccentric, um, she had l lots and lots and lots of cats, and just very eccentric lady, and so as a younger, this is a long time ago, as a younger student, just, you know, 
thought she was a little bit off the wall herself uh, and slightly crazy. Um, so one morning, one Saturday morning, the boiler had stopped working in our house. So I, I went next door just to tell her and came, came back to the house. And I, I, was, I called my dad just to catch up with him. And a couple of minutes into this phone call, there's this banging on the front door. And we had um, like this opaque glass uh, kind of panel in the door. So I could see that it was her. I was talking to dad and, and you know, really not surprised that that's what our landlady would do. If she's, instead of knocking on the door, why not just belt on the door as hard as you can? And dad's like, what is that noise? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's our landlady. And he's like, well, hadn't you better see what she, she wants? I was like, okay, yeah. Again, I, I'm a student at this point. It was a long time ago. Anyway, hung up the phone, opened the door. She runs into the house screaming. And I'm like, okay. And then a couple of moments later, a guy runs into the house following her. And she's like, he's trying to mug me. He's trying to mug me. And, um, and this, this poor guy saying, no, I just, I just wanted a taxi. I'm just trying to call a taxi. And um, she's screaming. And I'm trying to calm her down. I'm thinking, this poor chap. He's come across our crazy landlady. And uh, so I'm just trying to calm her down. And she's, she's slightly hysterical, but she's calming down. And kind of feel like I'm getting control of the situation. And then she said, and there's a police helicopter swirling overhead. At which point I'm like, okay, she's completely nuts. Um, and I just said, why don't you go home? I'll sort this out. You, you go home and, and everything's going to be okay. She said, I'm calling the police. And I said, you don't need to call the police. Just go home and check. So I sent her home and I'm like, I'm so sorry to this guy who's now, it's me and this guy in the house. So sorry, that's our landlady. She's a bit eccentric, whatever words I used. Are you okay? And uh, this guy said he'd been chased across um, Sheffield, which is the city I, I was in, um, by some drug dealers, and uh, he needed me to call him a taxi to get away. And I'm so, I said, yeah, of course. Um, you like a cup of tea? So make him a cup of tea, sit him down. And I call him a taxi. <clears throat> Ten minutes or so, the taxi arrives, um, opens the front door. He looks, <laughs> looks both ways, and he bolts down the garden, hops into the taxi, pulls out a knife, round the taxi driver's throat, at which point police cars sweep out of everywhere, box the taxi in, and uh, catch him. And uh, subsequently, what had happened was he'd been on the run from the police. Uh, and uh, he'd rammed a police car and at the bottom of, of a long road, and he'd gone to ground. So they brought a police helicopter in to try and find him. And... Uh, Amazingly, I mean, it went to court, he went to prison, and, and, which is obviously a really good thing. Um, but then the police came to interview me, and this is, a, I guess they probably got electronic devices. Back then, it was the little notepad. So I'm sitting down with the police officer, and he's like, okay, so, okay, so you, you invited him in, into your house, and, and you, you made him a cup of tea, okay, and you called him a taxi. And uh, it was like all the things not to do to, to a criminal. And, but it, it's kind of a funny example in some ways, but my... My perception, it was completely, completely coloured by my perception of my landlady. If it had been someone else that had told me it was a police helicopter overhead, I would probably have believed them. But for me, that was the kind of everything I, I perceive that she's just eccentric. So whatever comes out of her mouth, you have to filter and interpret in normal, normal speak. But it, and it took me at that moment being confronted by the situation, by the police, to expose, oh my goodness, that... I was just in this light, even you know, having the shady guy in my house who I, I was trying to just apologize for, um, or for my landlady for, it, it, it just, this kind of 
crazy, bizarre situation, but it illustrates this point that we can have lies or, or uh, preconceptions or mindsets where we are in deception. And it filters the whole way we experience a situation uh, or, or, or a truth. And there's a great quote by uh, uh, um, Francis Frangipan, um, which says, if you want to identify the hidden strongholds, these mindsets in your life, you need only survey the attitudes in your heart. Every area in your thinking that glistens with hope is an area which is being liberated by Christ. But any system of thinking that does not have hope, which feels hopeless, is a stronghold which must be pulled down. And the thing with being deceived is that we don't know we're deceived until we're we're confronted with the truth and when that deception is highlighted. And what I'd love to do is just to to finish is is just to bring out three three points in this passage which enables us to live in the truth, to grow in the truth, and to to deal with deception, the the, the safeguards against the, the, the enemy's deception. So the first one, is to abide in fellowship, to stay in the community of believers. We saw in this passage in the, in the first two verses, um, it's, you know, John said that these, these liars, these antichrists, they went out from the community of believers. They turned their back on the fellowship of the believers. And there is protection in, in community, in church, particularly when we have apostolic oversight, apostolic leadership, it protects us from deception. And this is, the, the, the church is, is God himself's design for us. And as, a, as a, um, a, a farmer planting, say, tomatoes, they're going to create the, most, the, the best environment for the, the plants to grow and yield fruit, the, from the soil to the temperature to the light to, to, to the water to the nutrients, and create this, this, um, the, the best environment for growth. And I believe the church is that for us. As we look around the room, we're surrounded by imperfect people. All of us are imperfect. Maybe one or two are close to perfection, but uh, all, all of us are imperfect. And by having a community of imperfect people, you know, sparks are going to fly. Um, it, it says in, in, in Proverbs that, that, um, that, that one man's countenance uh, sharpens another like iron sharpens iron. And we'll disagree about things, but it's an amazing opportunity to grow in love to grow in forgiveness, and particularly in this, this, this westernized, individualistic kind of society that we live in. If we disagree with someone, we can distance ourselves, we can unfriend them and, and, and keep them at arm's length. But actually in church, we get to grow. We get to grow in, in our relationships as we've looked at, in love for each other. And it's an extraordinary place for us to, to, to flourish. Actually, within the kingdom family communities, we we have a a group of people where we're becoming known, where we can begin to open our hearts to each other, to to know and be known by each other. And we can call out those deceptions in in each other. You know, what you're believing, that's that's a lie. God's got a greater call for you. That's, That's not... God's purpose for you. God, this is God's plan. This is who you are. And using the prophetic, using the, 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 um, the encouragement of the saints that we get to champion each other on. We get to, to encourage each other into the fullness of our identity in Christ. We get to, 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 
to confront those, you know, lovingly confront where, you know, someone might be battling with something. No, that's not who you are. Come on. This is who you are in Christ. And we all get to grow and grow up in community. So it's an extraordinary opportunity to to safeguard ourselves against deception and actually for deception to be confronted within a loving community. And actually, there's, there's a course starting this Wednesday, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Discipleship course. Uh, and really looking forward to that. But that's, again, an amazing opportunity for us to, to, within the context of relationship, for us to be known, for us to work through how we relate to others. And in that, potentially even hurts and, and things from, from previous lives or previous experience, we get to, to release the truth uh, over those and to bring that healing that, we, that we, we all need. So super excited about that if you've not, not signed up. So yeah, the, first, the first one is, is um, that we, we abide in, in the fellowship of uh, the community of the believers. Um, the next one is to abide in the word. In, in verse uh, 24, um, uh, it says, John says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And we get to allow the very word of God, the, 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 the truth, the, the apostolic teaching, the, the promises of God um, to, to uh, abide in our hearts. Um, it says in, in John 8, 31, 32, if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples. You are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Again, this word, Aletheia, you will know the reality. And the reality will liberate you. The reality of the kingdom. The reality of God's kingdom. And I, I love the way that the Passion Translation um, renders um, Romans 12, verse, verse 2. Um, it says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. You know, our culture, the media, social media is screaming at us, screaming truth at us. Truth in inverted commas. And more than ever... We need to anchor our hearts in the truth, in the word, in the promises, the commands of God. And that is what, what is a, a great uh, insulator against deception, the deception that the enemy would try to bring. We anchor our hearts in truth by abiding in the word. So we're imbi- abiding in fellowship, we're staying in fellowship, we're abiding in the word of God. And the last one is that we abide in him. In, verses, uh, in verse 27, it says, As for you, the anointing that you received from him abides in you. So you do not need anyone to teach you. And just on that, it's not, the, the, it's not saying you don't need um, the apostolic, the, you know, the, the teaching, the prophetic, the, the, those gifts. You don't need uh, people to teach you. He's saying that actually what was happening, these, these guys, the, the, the false teachers were saying, we need to teach you this special revelation. John's like, no, you don't. You've got the apostolic teaching. You don't need anyone to teach to anyone to teach you. But as his anointing, the very anointing of God teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And Jesus said himself, if you abide in my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
you know, as Christians, we're not living according to a, a list of principles or rules or, or, or uh, ideals. We're living in a dynamic relationship with Jesus himself, with the King of Kings. Now, the first message on this passage that, that James brought was about enthroning Jesus, enthroning him in every area of our lives, that every area of our lives would be subject to Jesus' authority, to his leading, to his teaching. Jesus said, my sheep recognize my voice. We're living in relationship with him, with the very one who, who's created us, with the very one who knows us better than our, our wives, our husbands, our, you know, our closest friends, the one who knows our hearts. And he's the one. He will re- release his truth and, and yet yeah, reveal where, where we're not believing the truth, where we're, we're believing lies. That we would live, again, looking at John 10, 10, where the enemy would seek to steal. He uses lies to steal. Steal God's truth, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we would experience that abundant life. And John 16, 13, it says, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. That is the relationship we have with God. And the beautiful thing is is that as we're growing in truth, as we're living in this kingdom reality, we get to confront the lies of, of the world by our very lives. And we get to bring the living reality of the kingdom into our workplaces, into our friendships, into, into the marketplace, and bring the love of God, bring the, the, the presence of God wherever we go. And see other people's, the lies begin to, to fade as they get to see the truth and experience the truth of who Jesus is in us as very, as very temples of the Holy Spirit. So what I, I wanted to, to, to finish with is I just wanted to, before I hand over to, to Paddy, was just to go back to um, this, this quote from Francis um, Frangipan. Uh, <clears throat> let me read it again. <clears throat> and it says, if you want to identify the hidden strongholds in your life, You need only survey the attitudes in your heart. Every area in your thinking that glistens with hope is an area which is being liberated by Christ. But any system of thinking that does not have hope, which feels hopeless, is a stronghold which must be pulled down. What I'd love to do is to give a moment to this um, where maybe we can bow our heads and close our eyes. And as we invite Holy Spirit, the one who leads us, the spirit of truth who leads us into all truth, to allow him to highlight any area in our heart where we don't have hope, any area where hope is, 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 is fleeting. It might be in a relationship, it might be health-related, it could be to do with future plans. Um, it, I don't know what that, what that area is, but that we're just going to invite God to, to highlight any areas in our life that don't have hope because there is always hope in him. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us and in us. 
And we thank you that you are the spirit of truth. And I thank you that you are the one that guides us into all truth. I ask that, Lord, you would highlight any areas in our, in our, um, in our hearts, in our minds, that we don't have hope this morning. And that might be uh, just, uh, that might be for some people, it might have come out of disappointment, a huge disappointment that's clouded your ability to have hope in that area. But as even as, as these things come to mind, I'm going to ask Holy Spirit, in fact, even for us all to ask in our hearts, Holy Spirit, what is the truth in this situation? What is your truth? What is the kingdom reality in this situation? In the natural, it might look like this, but what is your, your kingdom reality for this situation? So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open the eyes of our heart to see you, to see Jesus in the midst of what has, may have seemed a hopeless situation. That our hope would be anchored in you.